Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 156. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak, brought to you, of course, by Bleeding Green Nation, SB Nation. I got so excited at the beginning of this, I forgot the order of the intro that I've done about 500 times. Ben, I am on a roller coaster of emotions right now. I was pissed off for about two hours, and then the Eagles come storming back to win 23-17 to in overtime against the New York Giants in a game that should never have been that close. Holy crap. I'm sure at some point in this podcast, we are going to be upset, but right now, I just can't be. I'm, I'm elated that the Eagles were able to pull this out at the end. So whatever that's worth, we'll find out as we go along through this process. But Ben, how you doing, brother? Oh, everything is delicious. Thank you for asking. <laughs> as always... There was never a doubt. Never a doubt. There was no fear. There was no frustration. There was only calm, cool, and collected. I don't even remember what it feels like. What that what word you would use to feel confident that your team is going to win a football game. If you did not think that Sidney Jones, Josh Boy. Perkins, Boston Scott would be the heroes did of the day. you see that route from Josh Perkins? I had forgotten that was pretty. What, what route running looked like. Separation! <laughs> Joshua yeah. Perkins! Let's talk about this thing because the Eagles are down 17-3 to early in the game. To open the game, the things are just brutally ugly from the Eagles. I mean, number one, okay, so let's start out. There's no Derek Barnett. There's no Nelson Aguilar. Alshon Jeffrey goes down with a non-contact injury, I think it's to his foot, Jalen Mills goes down, Goddard looks less than 100%, Greg Greg Ward is gimpy at some point in the game in the late stages, J-Jaw looks like he pulls a hammy at some point, Lane Johnson goes down with a high ankle sprain from what the reports are saying, like the, the Eagles almost didn't have enough people to field an offense at some point, yet they pull this off in overtime, but again, rough start to start the game before the injury started hitting, I mean, you had a a second and long run that had me grinding my teeth. Peter's trying to identify a neutral zone defender and, and catches an offside flag and then an unblocked sack. That was all in the first drive. Second drive, you get another protection breakdown with poor blocking, followed by a second and long run that gets stuffed. We're going to have to talk about the Eagles analytics department right here later on. But then a third down screen that gets you close and you can't get enough of a push on fourth down to sneak it. You turn it over at your own 43. Third drive, you have a predetermined read to Jeffrey with one vertical route out of five, which was Sanders clearing out from the slot. Jeffrey gets eaten up by DeAndre Baker, who remember in the pregame show, we talked about his struggles in off coverage, but it's a press corner. He gets to press there. No separation anywhere. Wentz throws it at his feet. Like these first three drives were abysmal. And it honestly didn't end because there was a point where the Eagles had like in the middle of the game, like five straight punts before they finally started putting something together. What a roller coaster of a game. Right. And I'm trying to slow myself down here so we can process all of this. But I am just jacked up, man. Ben, what did you see from this game? The dealer's choice here. Offensive struggles in the first half, defensive mm-hmm. struggles in the first half, Goodness. offensive struggles in the second, offensive success in the second half, defensive success in the second half. Yeah. What do you want me to talk about? Yeah, let's go with offensive success in the second half, then we'll flip it over to what we saw from the defense. Sure. So uh, you have no weapons at all. You have no Alshon, Erzin Goddard, Miles Sanders, uh, Greg Ward. Uh, did you ever think of Whiteside, Boston Scott? This is the deck you're, you're playing with. This is the hand you've been dealt. First half, and this is going to leak into the struggles thing a little bit. We're 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 running the offense. We are running 
the West Coast offense. We are spacing concepts and triangle reads. We're throwing third and five slants to Alshon Jeffrey. We're throwing second down hitch routes to Greg Ward. Yep. High, low, and underneath defenders. We are doing what we've tried to do. Yep. It has not worked previously to this previous to this game. And Mike? <laughs> Did not work. It's not Mike. working in the first half. When we come out in the second half, we decide that we're simply... Like, like I, I think the paradigm, because it's important to remember that the Eagles opened with a, a, a one-yard drive, uh, they went for a punt, and then they opened with another three-yard drive uh, that was also a punt because of the missed snap from Kelsey to, to, to uh, Wentz. What we eventually see next is saying, okay, we are just going to put the ball in people's hands. We are going to stop trying to throw the football down the field. And it is not to say that the Eagles were throwing the ball down the field to begin with. It was already a very shallow offense as it's been for multiple weeks. But like, you know, and this this is not going to fall well on everybody's ears in the immediate, you know, excitement of the Monday morning or the Tuesday morning drive, excuse me. But Carson Wentz is 17 of 24, eight yards per attempt, game winning, game tying touchdown, game winning touchdown. Yeah. I mean, he's he's throwing swings, <laughs> you know. Like it was he he's throwing wide receiver screens. He is and he was th- he was shaky yeah. in the first half. Let's call it what it is. I mean, right. there was a lot of other problems going on too. It's not all on him, but he was shaky yeah. in the first half. So they it, it like like you know Carson Wentz game winning game, you know. And I've constantly made fun of this concept of like Carson Wentz bad in the fourth quarter, no game winning drives, no comebacks. He got one this time. Of of some credit obviously for like the plays that he extended for the greg ward touchdown that should have been caught for yep. you know like some good you know uh, uh dallas goddard route the greg ward second and ten route the josh perkins first down like he was throwing the ball successfully down the field on target he was hitting his guys Ertz uh first touchdown game tying touchdown great ball you know so like, like he did things right but this was the story of Greg Ward, 14 yards on a wide receiver screen. This was Boston Scott, three separate swing passes going for eight plus yards. This was Miles Sanders motioning out to wide receiver, taking a flat route 11 yards. That's what this was. It was, okay, enough. We're just not going to try to hit Greg Ward on eight yard square ends anymore. We're not going to try to get Zach Ertz open across the middle of the field when he's getting doubled in the second half. He was getting doubled in the second half. The Giants finally listened to Booger McFarland. <laughs> questionable decision in general but the what shifted for the offense was simply that they looked more spready than they have in a bit i, I, I mean I, it's been what since this looked more like the buffalo game than any other game and everyone right. praised doug peterson for that game right and i, I hesitate like and, and even the buffalo game to me was still pretty west coasty in terms of they're just targeting their running backs, like that's what they liked in their matchups or whatever. This they was, mixed they yeah. they mixed it up better though in that right. game, but this was a total shift. This was to me just package plays. Like Wentz was constantly killing stuff at the line. There were constantly two play calls pre-snap, and that's what they were going to do. They were going to get into an advantageous play call, and they were going to try to have their guys win one-on-one in space, namely Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. That's how they were going to be successful, and they were. And like you know. Where, where, where did bought like the Boston Scott game? Boston got it over a hundred scrimmage yards in the second half. Like, unbelievable. Where has this been for 13 weeks? Well, well, like, well, well, okay. So, like, that, like, and you, like, you sigh and you say, Where has this been right? Like, come on. Well, typically, running back targets with a depth of one yard is just not, like, it's not a consistent formula. It really isn't. And the Eagles got two really good drives out of it uh, the touchdown drive and then the missed field goal drive. Right, but then you saw when they came out for the game tying touchdown drive, they were much more so back to their typical stuff. They were much more so back to high lowing and to west coasting and to so on and so forth, because eventually it's not difficult to take that stuff away. It really isn't to survive pace and space in the NFL when you have NFL caliber athletes like you. That that, that it's not gonna like you know. If you're throwing behind or at the line of scrimmage on first and 10, second and 10, third and 10, like you're constantly going to be in trouble. You're, you're, excuse me, you're eventually going to be in trouble. So the thing is like, that worked. Boston Scott made guys miss in space. Hard nose running, fell forward after contact. That, that, that was what the Eagles found and they rode it all the way to overtime and, and through overtime into the end zone, touchdown they win. But to expect that to be a winning formula every week, as we've joked about with Miles Sanders previously, is 
hard and unreasonable. You need other skill position players to be able to get targets further down the field. Number one, I, I agree with you as far as that not being like a sustainable, you know, uh, theory, philosophy of the offense overall. My, my thing is, okay, did we know we had this type of receiving back player in space in Boston Scott three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when the Jordan Howard injury happened? Because like you said, the West Coast stuff, all that stuff wasn't working. You're going to have to find a different way. What's the difference between tw- changing a, a three air yard depth of target for a lot of these concepts versus getting it behind the line and getting these guys in space to where they can go and make plays? I think that's my major issue. And it's not a big one. It's not a big bone to pick. But I do think it's another example of the Eagles either A, not really realizing what they have on the team, cough, cough, LJ Fort. Or B, just not incorporating them soon enough if they know they have that on the team. Because Boston Scott was magnificent tonight. The guy was patient, contact balance. He had some wiggle, looked really, really good. And as a, as a receiving back, like this is 2019 in the NFL. This, these are the traits that this is this this is the Darren Sproles replacement in an offense that loves a Darren Sproles type player. So that's where I kind of struggle with that. And again, not a big deal, but at the same time. Why did it take so long and why did it take to the second half for the Eagles to realize something that has not been working for the past three, four, five weeks, so on and so forth, that would not work? Right. Well, I mean, J.J. think of Whiteside makes an unbelievable over-the-shoulder catch down the field on a nine-round. It's like, hey, what if we targeted the player on the route that he's good at? Like, what if we use guys at what they are good at? There's a new thing. Which, right, which circles you back to, like, the Eagles found what worked with enough time in the third quarter to pull it back. But, as you said, it took us two and a half quarters to get there. And in general, as an offensive coaching staff, we don't do that. As I said, the first half, I, I had like a big tweet thread almost like scripted out about the first half offense I was going to send. And then I didn't send it because I didn't finish it in time for the start of the third quarter. I was like, no one's going to read this. It's super long. <laughs> but it was basically about like, the coaching staff does not adjust to the players that they have. And and the the market important point to that effect is the wide receivers and who was active and the fact that there are only three of them you have three wide receivers active which is just fascinatingly stupid right i mean just like unbelievably dumb why are you doing this if firstly you you can't go any further than 11 personnel which eagles rarely do anyway but yeah. can't go any further than 11 personnel and if one of them goes down which given the season you've had is not unlikely mm you're going to be stuck in 12% for the remainder of the game. Yeah. One of them went down. I saw Jeffrey fairly quickly in the first quarter or second quarter, early in the second quarter. Anyway, well, f- you don't have players like Mark and Michelle healthy or active, excuse me, because you are not going to be able to get play out of them. That's what you believe. You're not going to be able to get meaningful reps out of them. Well, Mark and Michelle's been on this football team. He was here in the preseason. He understands the playbook and you also understand his strengths. Yeah, you're going to have to cater plays to Mark and Michelle for him to be effective today. But that is an undoubtedly better alternative than running your offense, which I put in like massive scare quotes, you know, that that kind of like nebulous idea, running your offense, i.e. sticking with the concepts you've already ran, doing what you think is going to work effective while putting your team at an incredible risk by only activating three wide receivers. Right. So that's the avenue they elect to take. Let's now, now, so we have that little nugget right there. Would rather have three wide receivers active who let us run our offense instead of having to activate a fourth that will require us to build out certain plays, certain packages that he's going to be successful in because he's a limited player who only knows and is only successful in these specific areas. Cool. So that's there. We also have a rookie in J.J. Arthigal-Whiteside, a practice squatter in Greg Ward, who laboriously worked their way into the roster, who die for every single target that they get in the games in which they initially got targets, showed more promise than the guys who were getting targets ahead of them, and much of their playing time that they did not get, especially in the case of Arthigal-Whiteside, was a result of, oh, he's not cross-trained. He doesn't know the whole offense. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now again... You've limited your ability to get a player on the field who is good at certain things. I think Whiteside is good at one-on-one nine balls down the field. This is a fact. You can't like, like, oh, the Eagles should have drafted Think Whiteside. He's a boss. He should draft Darius Slayton. Sure, you can say all of that. But there's nobody in the league, in college football, in scouting, who watched Think Whiteside was like, this guy is bad at jump balls. He was really good. <laughs> like, we, this, is, this is inarguable. So this is what, at least when you draft him, this is what you thought he was good at. Hmm. This was his strength. Okay. So not only are you limiting 
yourself, you're not getting this guy out on the field. You're unable to create a, a niche role for him to just do that at which he's good. So you're targeting him on slant patterns, which is not like he doesn't know how to run a slant, but like he messes up the slant against the, the Seahawks or whatever it was, right? When Dan Orlovsky went through it. And it's like, well, yes, it one of the best ways to make sure this guy knows how to run a slant is to get him on the field. And the, the avenue for getting him on the field may not be targeting him on slants right away, but also getting him downfield nine ball targets because that's a, that at which he's affected. Getting him back shoulder fade balls, giving him the contested catches, throwing him fades in the red zone, doing that at which he was good at in the college level. So we have practice squatters that we won't call up because we won't do what they're good at. We have rookies that we're not developing because we won't do what they're good at. It takes us till 14 points down in the third quarter to say, all right, what we've got is two elusive running backs. Let's just get him the ball. And like, I hesitate to say in space because they give them like, oh, space touches. Screens aren't really space touches, but this is not important right now. This is just me being picky. Anyway, so you get two running backs, the ball outside of the pocket with blockers in front of them and let them do our work for us. Yeah. So we, we finally got to a spot and then I think I said on the field, we finally got to a spot where we let players who are good at X, Y, and Z do X, Y, and Z. That's how we broke outside of what was done previously. That's the offensive scheme change we made. We stopped adhering to what we thought was good. We stopped adhering to what was the plan Monday to Friday and took what was working on Monday. Right. So, and this should not take as long, nor should it be as hard, nor should we have to beg, crawl for it, claw and scratch our nails to go get it. So, and also, by the way, they were forced into it. They were forced into it by necessity. Like that right, was, that we're talking really about getting injured for us to even get here. <laughs> so the moral of the story is the Eagles won the win, the 23-17, and over time they're in the playoff race. They're tied with the Dallas Cowboys for the lead of the NFC East, and they need to fire their offensive coordinator. <laughs> you know, it's, it, you, 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 you still need to make measurable changes if you're unable to make, if you're unable to to adjust the offense to the strength of the players. You're, you, you, you need new offensive minds. And, and as final and indisputable evidence, I would point to Nick Foles' playoff run of 2017. Mm. If you cannot adjust your offense to the strength of the players, you need a new offensive mind. If you can, you're going to go win a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. And that was the perfect example of adjusting your offensive game to the go. players that are in the system. It doesn't have to be the quarterback. It can be the other guys. And it shouldn't take literally at, at, at one point, it was only Greg Ward. They had to play Josh Perkins at wide receiver. It took him to that point to adjust the offense. And look, this is where we get to the downside of things with the offense. What do we really expect from them moving forward? No Lane Johnson. Probably no Alshon Jeffrey. Nelson Aguilar is still dinged up. He's been trending in the right direction for what feels like a month now. Jordan Howard's shoulder injury, so on and so forth. Jay Jaws hammy. What can this offense really do other than the stuff that they just pulled out tonight, which, like Ben said, is not sustainable? That's the downside to all of this. And you also have an offense that came out with a game plan that led to three first half points against the New York football giants. So that's the downside to all of this. I do not have a great outlook on the future and even the healthy guys. Jason Peters and Isaac Siamalo had a hell of a time getting on the same page in pass protection and, and doing their job in this game as well and keeping Carson clean. That's part of it, too. And if Carson Wentz is up and down for any of this stretch, the offense cannot survive if Carson Wentz is not playing well. Like I said, he had a shaky first half. They had three points. It's not all on him. There were other issues going on. Carson was lights out towards the end of the game. Those those two drives that what was it? 10 plays, 80 something yards if I'm not mistaken. No, 10 plays, 58 yards to tie the game with 2 minutes mm-hmm. left. Great on that drive. Great throw to to Ertz. We had rushed feet and and was able to put it in a, in perfect placement. Overtime drive as well. Good placement, so on and so forth doing his job. Ben also explained that was a lot due to scheme. I mean, hell, they even pulled out the two th- 2017 game against Atlanta with that Nelson Aguilar or Miles Sanders is in the bunch like you said on Twitter trying to act so hard that this that was, was the normal- funniest thing I've ever seen because okay so they had had Boston Scott in a H-backy sort of a spot in an earlier right. play and I yeah. was like huh like they have <laughs> to use on? their running backs as H-backs because they have absolutely no wide receiver depth this is freaking sick and then he like went in motion and he tried to split zone block for Miles Sanders and it went predictably like not great and I was like, why would they do that? And then when I saw Miles Sanders as H back in the bunch, I was like, there's oh. no way that this is actually happening. And it did. 
And the Giants had penetration against it. Sanders survived, which was hilarious. Yeah. And like, the thing is, like, there's being an H back, there's being a receiver in the bunch, and there's being like four yards behind the line of scrimmage in a right. highly suspect uh, alignment in a very yeah. key down. And I was like, okay, wonder where the ball's going. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I um, I, I there's actually there's one more note about the offense that we should talk about, which is critical and something that we've discussed before, namely during the Seahawks game. Tempo, mm. again, a little bit forced into it. When you only have like one player you can send in as a sub, why would you not run tempo? It's not like you're going to be subbing a lot and going into different personnel. <laughs> you're, you're using six, maybe seven skill position players. Five of them are going to be on the field. There's no reason to not be in tempo. Yeah. Um, but when you're constantly doing package play stuff, tempo makes a lot of sense because you want as early of a look at the defensive alignment as possible with with time left on the play clock is what um, is what I'm saying. So you get at the line with 20 seconds left. Well, Car- it gets Carson the ability to get into whatever audibles he wants to get into because he has enough time to call them, check people, move players around, and then go. Uh, so that 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 plays nicely into the package play sort of an offense that they ran is running with tempo and it was successful. Also, you know, the idea of getting Carson Wentz into a rhythm. And if we want to take five seconds to talk about Carson Wentz specifically. Was it 33 uh, of 50 for 325 or so yards, two touchdowns? Heavens to Murgatroyd. Remember his, his rookie season when he had like 620 passing attempts? We were all like, oh my God. <laughs> his arm's going to fall off. 33 for and 50, 325 yards, averaged 6.5 yards attempt. Woo! Two touchdowns, uh, no interceptions. Carson in the first half didn't have a good ball game. Now, I agree. A lot of low throws. After the Seattle game, I said that I, I refuse to, to judge a quarterback based off how he performs uh, when six of his, the ten other starters are out. Mm. Six of the ten starters were out for Philadelphia besides Carson Wentz after Lane Johnson went down. Right. No, 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 no. Five. Excuse me. Just five. Just five. Five out of ten. Just five? Um, But... I feel like because there was also like significant rain, I can probably count that as also being a reason to just say, hey, not a good half for Carson throwing to Gray Ward. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to be okay. Uh, and again, like we, we can say we can say that Carson had a bad first half and then came through when he needed yeah. it and not have any long term takeaways about either, right. to be honest with you. Yeah, and, and, the, and the response to that is like, well, you know, then you don't you don't get to get too excited about the second half if you're kind of that's what i mean yeah if you're kind of exactly it's like throwing away some of these 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 just like weird circumstances he's playing in the answer is yeah that's that's what we said earlier you know what i mean like it's also the giants yeah like he he made like insane insane plays in the second half he was distributing the ball pretty early into the play um i will say man i wish greg warren hadn't tipped that jj ortega wide side Mm. crazy Carson Wentz out of the pocket multiple guys making a mess <laughs> launching a thing oh man I thought that was gonna be a catch I was so pissed at Greg Ward that for that beautiful. yeah but that, that was that was you know like a, a classic Carson play and then generally what he did do was he played widely mistake free football took a couple sacks were not the result of really bad pocket management from what I saw protected the I football agree. while he was being sacked threw some inaccurate passes did not put the ball in an interceptable way so yeah while not good first half and then like you know just on schedule second half did nothing debilitating which carson's bad games can be legit debilitating so this was you know like they, they could have easily spiraled a lot more than they did than for uh than 14 points you know what i mean so that that's that's the advantage that you have there so that's our chat about the offensive side of the ball for the eagles and when we come back we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball and maybe some major takeaways as well that's coming up next here on the kiston solak show Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 156, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, a tale of two halves for a defense that has been up and down in recent weeks. Obviously, the Miami game was down. They had some solid solid performances before that. Ronald Darby had himself a dog of a game, and I'm not sure what the heck was going on with Jim Schwartz. I mean, brother, not only Darius Slayton, who 
we warned you about gentle listener coming into this game as the deep threat for the New York Giants and Eli just chucking it up. Jim Schwartz blitzing in some weird places. Third and 13, for example, was super weird to me when he could have just ran picket fence with some deep guys and whatnot. But then also, too, like the flea flicker. Have you seen the next-gen dots on the flea flicker where Booger said, oh, they're not going to come up to, to attack the run? Omar Epps the is the deep... flea flicker had me out of the building, man. Third and whatever. The deep and safety. Marcus Epps like, up. listen, I got this, fellas. <laughs> I was going to cry. Ronald Darby also got beat by, I believe it was Slayton. No, it was, it was Shepard. Russell yeah. Douglas, only one who knew what was going on. My hero, Russell Douglas. Shaky performance at the beginning of this game. Some free yardage, some weird calls by by Jim Schwartz. But you said you specifically wanted to talk about the difference between the defense in the first half, the, the, the gestalt of the defense, and then what yeah. it looked like in the second half. Well, this like this is this is Los Angeles Rams game one hundred and one, where like Jimbo was like. No, so actually, like, not really. It's it is, but it isn't. Half of it. Well, because here's the thing: like in the Rams game, it was like, okay, nothing's working. Let's throw the kitchen sink, and and try anything to confuse Jared Goff to take away the intermediate routes from the Rams to survive, and they did. In this game, it was okay. Something's working. Let's throw the kitchen sink anyway, and then we come back at halftime, and be like, well, what if we just stayed with what was working and see how that goes? Because, and this is drum uh, horn tootin' time for Benjamin Solak at the half. Uh, I tweeted out that if the Eagles continue to drop in cover three and cover two for the rest of the game, they won't give up another point, I swear. He proceeded to outscore the Giants 20 to nothing across the course of the second half in overtime. Why? Eli Manning was not throwing down the field against zone. He didn't do it. He did not do it. He didn't do it. Mike, I want to make this very clear. He didn't do it. He would he he would hit the top of his drop and check down. He was not going to stand in that pocket with the football. When he did, Vinnie Curry touched him like on the back and he fell over. This is this is exactly what we were right. talking about. I mean, this how is, this things is, this changed. This was Eli over the last couple yeah. of years, right? Right. And like, you know, so Eli was not going to be pushing intermediate windows against zone. He was not going to be trying to throw guys open down the field against cover three. It wasn't going to happen. He was going to check down, force the Eagles to rally and tackle. Honestly, not a bad strategy. But all of this going to say that the Eagles in the, in, in the early drives were, were, you know, sitting in their cover three, you know, they were getting the check down passes to Saquon Barkley, the screens, Saquon Barkley, they were rallying and tackling, rallying and tackling. Then, you know, end around got him. His first down was Sterling Shepard. You know, there was a, 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 they were at the third and 13, balls on their own 35. Booger McFarland, who had an amazing game, said that if he was Jim Schwartz, he would bring pressure here. And try mm. to disrupt Elon Manning, which yeah. when you're at the 35 on the in the calculator, like in the book, it makes sense because a sack kicks you back out of field goal range, right? 52 yarders hittable even in that weather. Third and 13, if, if you know your quarterback's gonna have to drop back, if you can go and get him and, and knock him down, you can kick him out of field goal range. So it makes sense, like by the book. But when 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 you're gonna be so when you've been so successful in zone coverage against an incredibly tepid and timid quarterback, and you're so bad in man coverage, like your corners are just a liability. Just don't do it. Just don't do man coverage. And then when you've had multiple third and fourth down man coverage failures this year that have given up touchdowns, just don't do it. So Jim Schwartz does it because why not? And it's a quick, like it's not, again, it's not even a downfield route. It's Sterling, it's, it's Darius Slayton, seven yard slant. But DeRon already misses the tackle and Slayton's got enough juice to go score the touchdown. So you just like, this was like inevitable. Like you knew this was going to happen. It was too stupid to not occur by the Philadelphia Eagles 2019 defense. And then... When you go and you go back to the uh, then the second touchdown again uh, to Darius Slayton fifty or fifty five yarder, this was I've watched this coverage ten thousand times. Mm. Couldn't tell you who was supposed to do what. Eagles had one re- one corner over a two receiver stack to the top of the, the formation. They had double coverage on Darius Slayton, but both guys thought the other guy was going to be deep. Completely busted, right? And it, it was like, it was like you know, six guys in the line of scrimmage. Malcolm Jenkins was dropping back. Avante Mattis was blitzing. Nigel Bradham was coming off line of scrimmage. It was like, it was like a, like, you know, a, a bluff blitz. They were sending for dropping seven, but like, it was like a weird alignment and everything. And they busted it. If you just sat and like, there, there are so few games in the NFL, so few players in the NFL you have this luxury against. If you just sat in zones, stepped up, rallied and tackled, you were going to give up 29 yards in the second half. And you know what the Eagles did? Mm. They gave up 29 yards in the second half. There's just right. no reason to do anything other than sit in your safe zones, protect deep down the field, off coverage, 
Let them throw six-yard comebacks, come up, rally, and tackle. Because even when they get the, 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 the matchups they want, even when they get the distribution they want, even when they get you because zone coverage is far from perfect, you know, Eli Manning's going to miss Sterling Shepard on an in-breaking route that could have easily been a first down, 12-yard completion, right? He just miss him. You know, he's going to throw behind Darius Slayton on a slant on a third down, which he did. He missed him. He's a bad quarterback. So you get to stay in zones. You get to do it. Just do it. And that's what, they, that's what they did in the second half. And they gave up literally, again, 29 yards in the second half. It's the second smallest amount of yardage given, uh, created in a first half this year. Only the uh, uh, the first second half, week one second half from the Miami Dolphins was last. You, you finally had just sit and cover three game. Should have been Jimbo's mm. dream. Tried to do something different twice. Gave up two touchdowns. <laughs> right. Just went back to, to cover three, cover two. Sat there. Survived. Exactly. That that that's exactly my point when I talk about the third and thirteen. Like, why why are you blitzing this issue? This none of this is needed. You can sit back and let let the game come to you and rally up and tackle and and have more advantageous angles to tackle because of that. So I w- I was super concerned with the game plan by Jim Schwartz in the first half on something that seemed very very basic. You've known the guy for years. I mean, Eli Manning has played what. What's what's the all time record now for Eli Manning against the Eagles? I think I think it was tied before coming into this game. The Eagles are now career winners against Eli Manning, if I'm not mistaken. I I just don't get not understanding who Eli is. And again, coaching staff taking so long to adjust to very obvious realities. Okay, Ben, do you want to go to three words? No. Explain yourself. You you you're always trying to censor the voice of the gentle listeners, and I for one disagree with you. But no, okay, I just wanted to. <laughs> I may have other notes. Um, Nate Solder. <laughs> oh, that's a lot of money to pay for a two-legged stool. Let me tell you. <laughs> he looked well. Let's talk about Big V moving oh, yeah. forward. You're right. Goodness. Probably should not be laughing at other teams' tackle situations right now. <laughs> Big V, terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Yep. Oh, one thing I did want to add for the brand, that last touchdown, the game-winning touchdown by the Eagles, looked like a blown coverage by Alec Ogletree, friend of the show. Alec Ogletree, who had like one good tackle against like Boston right. Scott in space, and like he's having a great game. I was like, have you yeah. watched him play football? Um, no, Eagles did he's a great Nate job. Gary East, even though Gary's already yeah. in the East. I mean, we talked about that linebacker being bad, or that linebacker core being bad, and they were bad. Um, so I wanted to say uh, Vinnie Curry, Josh Sweat both took lunch money from, from Nate Solder repeatedly. Yes. Curry got the sacks. Sweat, I thought, had a pretty positive game as well. Uh, oh, yeah. Marcus Epps, awful. Nate Gary, good <laughs> football game. Nate Gary, a good football game. Played good outside, football. Outside of getting his soul snatched from him from but Saquon listen, Barkley listen, on the stiff listen. arm. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Barkley stiff arm, that's part of playing, playing defense in the NFL. That's That's Aaron Donald to Nate Gary and every player in between. That's I agree. all sleep at night. Nate Gary, who I know listens to the podcast immediately in the postgame every single time. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, buddy. Good game. Jake Elliott is perfect on the air for field goals. He hasn't missed one. <laughs> I've, I've never seen these misses. People are trying to claim have occurred. You're um, like the, the end of the first season of Westworld right now. I, it doesn't look like anything to me. On old Douglas and situational play calling. The, the Okay, so the second drive, the fourth and one QB sneak. Listen, QB sneaks are great plays. Every single other QB sneak the Eagles attempted in this game worked. That worked. Yeah. That one didn't. And I was fine with the call. Honestly, might have if there was an angle that could have proven that Carson Wentz had a knee down while that ball was out over the line over the line of game. So I think the ball was out over the line of game, but it also was called fumble, so it stayed fumble. Yep. I um agree. uh there was also a, a, a fourth and three punt from I believe the Eagles forty eight mm. late in the second, which was not his typical punt decision. It ended up being, you know, down inside of the 20 and the Eagles got into an advantageous third down situation. Then they gave up a 55 yard touchdown on a coverage bust. But I didn't like it, but it wasn't a super egregious punt for me, just in terms of what you'd been able to do offensively, the injuries you were dealing with. And then I do find interesting that he didn't go for two when they got to down eight. I Me expected too. him to. You see, no, okay, okay, okay. No, I'm going to take you to task for this because back in 2016, with nothing on the line against the Ravens, you took issue with them no, going no, no, for no, two no, in the no, same no, situation. No, very different. Yeah, you did. Very different. Yeah. But no, I'm talking about when they, when they made it down eight in the Ravens, oh, they were down one. I'm sorry. Right. I'm throwing unnecessary shade on you, but I stand by it. Also, I would say there's a difference between not liking it and being surprised by it. And okay, also, fair. I would say 
I've learned a lot about two-point conversions from 2016 and 2019. <laughs> but doing this for three years, following Doug Peterson, I learned a thing or two about when you go for two. Um, so you're, you're, you're telling right. me that you can learn things along the way and then maybe you'll draft better, a.k.a. Howie Roseman. I'm wow. sorry. Go ahead. That's a whole different topic. Felt unnecessary. Um, <laughs> right. So I would say that um, I was surprised because as we I think we saw with the Zach Ertz touchdown and then the other Zach Ertz touchdown and the sprint out play that had Greg Ward open. But Antoine Bethea did a really good job breaking up that pass, which was a callback to Golden Tate in the playoffs last year, a callback to what, 2012, when Nick Foles completed it to Jeremy Macklin in Tampa Bay, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, OK, exactly. show off, but it's fine. The Eagles had some really good short yardage passing plays. They did dialed up for this game. And honestly, like when your only pass catching threats are tight ends, you know, down and two from the two is like the best passing down you can get, right? <laughs> exactly. So I was a little That's surprised. what they're good at. It seemed like they had, they had good plays, plays they liked. Uh, so I was surprised they didn't go down for two. Um, so it was a bit of an odd game, but a team that was reeling on a three-game skid down by 14 to an divisional opponent they should have beaten with his backup quarterback in at home in an ugly situation getting booed in the rain <laughs> did not give up. Yeah. And Peterson milked a win out of a team that was heavily undermanned it was probably very demoralized in the locker room you wonder you wonder how much of that carries on moving forward because you know he's going to use this as like a rallying point obviously like you needed to win this game for staying in the playoff race but also in terms of like game you can springboard off of yeah this is potentially and i hope this is not just me you know trying to convince myself as a fan I think this is potentially a better springboard game than like a blowout because a blowout yeah. is like all right we did what we were supposed to do this is like, all right, much Chips like the season, we did not do what we were supposed to do, but we got back from it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like You, got, like, you got a bunch of injured players. Yeah. You're down 17 to three. I right. agree. I think it means more than a blowout. Because win. this whole four game stretch that you have to win is digging yourself out of a hole of your own creating. Well, Correct. in overcoming a 14 point deficit, you dug out it's of a hole thing. of your own creating, right? And a, yeah. a little bit of a microcosm there. So, I mean, honestly, do you think that the Eagles players cares that they should have blown that game out, that they were heavy favorites? No, they care that yeah. they came back and won the freaking game in the NFL. As is always said, a game in the NFL is a game in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's... it's this is how players are thinking, not how, you know, the angry yeah, exactly. people in the comments. And I get both. Right. So I think that, yeah. But, like, you know, that emotion of, like, oh, building off it, it ends tomorrow? You know, in a short week, got to go face a Washington team that was, like, not awful against the Packers and beat the Panthers. They've been better than the Giants and the Dolphins have been in recent weeks. Um, yep. And, you know, with, with, with that considered, you're going to have to deal with even further injury and even a further limited offense, so on and so forth. So, good opportunity to ride it, but it, it's not nearly enough to overcome the issues that you probably have from a, from a scheme and an X's and O's perspective. I have no idea how this team beats Dallas, and I know Dallas has underwhelmed with what we're going to have from an injury perspective moving forward. It's going to take a, uh, uh, was it Heraclean effort? Is that is that what uh, I'm looking for? Hercules. Herculean. Herculean effort. Thank you. Thank you. When you wow, said was, it wrong, I've, it made me start thinking about it wrong. I've been reading Carthage Must Be Destroyed, so Heracles is a big part of that. Uh-huh. So. Please excuse That's me. That's the Roman translation. All right, let's get to three words. Have Have you seen it yet? Have you seen the number of responses for this? No, one? I have not. Five hundred and fifty-seven. As I'm looking, I was going right to guess five hundred and fifty-five. Not even a lie. <laughs> not even a lie. Incog Brian at Incog Brian says shouldn't take OT, and you're right. Like I said, for the players' perspective, doesn't matter to them. It's a divisional win that keeps them in the hunt. If you were playing a drinking game for every time Joe Tessitore said that the Eagles win out, they're in. You are right, crap faced hammered. By right the now. way, there are 19 things that were awful about the broadcast. And yeah. honestly, like, I've never been closer in my entire life to emailing ESPN and being like, do you just. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not much of a, like, complaint to customer service. I was trying to complain to customer service. Yeah. But I will say, by far the worst thing of the entire game was the fact that at no point did Joe Tessitore, who had mentioned the Eagles winning out tending to the playoffs, mention what a tie did, which is like shocking to me that we got <laughs> to overtime and, right. and a broadcast booth that could not stop talking about what would happen if the Eagles win. Right. Seeing 17-17 and OT on the clock was not like, and if there was a tie, which in case you're wondering, a tie <laughs> would have been effectually a win for Philadelphia because... Had they beaten the Redskins, beaten the Cowboys, beaten the Giants in 15, same 16, thing. 17, they would have had the same 
head to head, they have an equal head to head record with the Cowboys, one and one, but they would have had a better, a better divisional record because they would have been like, you know, four, one and one and not four and two as the Cowboys would be four and two in that hypothetical. So there you go. Um, but I love the fact that that was not, it was not brought up. At flying around 77 says Carson elevates others. I feel elevated right now. What about you, Ben? Right. We had a, we had a couple of elevation jokes up in here, which I appreciate. Elevate well, is the new six more and four for the podcast. Yeah. Probably Alyssa B <laughs> at a Bauer 91 says, did Carson elevate question mark, which it sounds like I don't think he did. It sounds like I think he just, you know, did, did uh, his regular job. I think Boston Scott elevated uh, Ron Spur. Oh, wait, 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 wait. So you're saying that elevating is actually just doing your job to allowing other people to do, to do their job, it right? It seems more like everybody on the team has a role, and just if everybody does their role, the team is successful, and no players <sighs> elevate other players. Whoa. Um, whoa. Right, Hot um, take. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we're going to isolate this audio because that is a <laughs> spicy take, Ben. There's, um. okay, so Joe Van Ruyen, Ruyen at, at S. Dakota Eagles says Carson once elevated. There was, I can't, oh, 500. 56 is way too many let's talk about at the jake evans x he says siomalu's tracking and then like the the more than sign agalors that one play where where carson yeah. was in the grasp of a of what i think it was out ogletree if i'm not mistaken but i personally think and i think other people saw it differently so i could be entirely wrong i personally think that wentz was trying to dirt it at Ertz's feet but it got tipped by the lineman right in front of him went up in the air and Isaac Siamalo had to play a little bit of basketball and swat that bad boy down. That was dangerous. All right, Liam Day. I'm still looking Don't for the yawn, one Don't yawn, Ben. Don't yawn. It's only 1230. What's wrong with you? You are, what, 18 years old. You should not hey, be tired hey, of this hey, hour. Hey, 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 <laughs> You can't say things like this because people believe you and I have no way of proving <laughs> otherwise. At Liam Day, at underscore Liam Day, says extend Boston Scott. Yes, right now. Keep him around, dude. Keep him around. This is, this, like I said, this is the... Darren Sproles, and I'm not calling him Darren Sproles because Darren Sproles. I legit called career. him Darren Sproles in the month of June, so go for it. But I'm already there. <laughs> okay, so we're already there. Fine, we're committed now. This is Darren Sproles moving forward. Keep this guy around. He fits the offense. This is exactly what you want. If the, if if they get similar type performances from Boston Scott for the rest of the season, who knows when mm-hmm. Jordan Howard is going to find his missing arm? If they get this from Boston Scott moving forward, you absolutely keep this guy. Have to. No reason not to. What are you going to do? Well, what what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is they're probably going to still try to extend uh, Jordan Howard and uh, Miles Sanders is definitely around and he's going to get a lot of touches for the long haul. So right, I mean, running back three. I just don't know how. I don't think he's going to be a huge part of the offense. What I will say is that are we sure Greg Ward is a better returner than Boston Scott? Because we've had Greg Ward back there since he got activated, and. I mean, he's fine, but like, it feels like Boston Scott's better with the ball in his hands. I got a bone to pick with at a underscore Blake or B Lake game winning drive. And then he continues on a game winning drive is in all caps. Okay. He continues this in lower caps with underscores for the rest of it where he says, where the heck were you the other 60 minutes? Hashtag. I followed the rules, fellas. No, you did not. Lie. I will not. I will not be reading. I will (laughs) not. I refuse to read your response on the show. Wiley Naylor at Y underscore Phi says Wentz throws zappers, which I have not heard zappers used to describe what I believe are fastballs before, but I'm 100% integrating that into my lexicon. Hashtag spread love at underscore the problem. Sydney Jones season, brother, as I've often, I've said this many times, which <laughs> if you go back and you listen to the podcast, you'll hear me say this innumerate times. Yeah. The best way to develop your young corners is to bench them because they're <laughs> Oh, I couldn't do it. You can't even get through it. It is amazing to me that Sidney Jones came in cold off the bench as corner six. Corner six? He didn't have time to think. I honestly think that's part of it. He did not have time to think. Well, sure. But also, like, that was not like, oh, pass break up. That was a great rep. It's a really good rep. <laughs> the best rep I've seen of Sidney Jones as a pro. <laughs> How? How is that the context? Oh my god! Like the again, the book says when the new corner comes into the football game, you attack him, throw it at the new corner. And that's not only an old narrative, but also a true narrative that's backed up by analytics. Yeah, which is very rare. Um, Mike Sidney Liz- Jones sees yes. it right. Mike Lizka. At Mike Lizka, sorry if I'm getting your name wrong. Uh, butts for injuries, He's not sorry. which butts is a, for which is one of the best variations on butts for blank I've heard in a while. 
Uh, not to take any way, anything away from you, Mike. Yours are always good. But butts for injuries is a funny one. Yeah, the Eagles <laughs> went down like flies. I mean, like... Th- that, that's going to be a big part of the concerning... Like, we're going to get off of this high from tonight. And then I think that Tuesday morning realization is going to set in. Holy crap, how are they going to do this when they have so many injuries? And we don't know what the injuries are. Non-contact foot for Alshon? Like... Lane, high ankle sprain. Wow. He popped his Achilles. I mean, like, that. that that's what like, it looked like. Of Achilles injuries I've seen, that's what they look like. Yep. I think he popped it. I agree. Um, your Alshon injury prone yep. takes now increase in, in, in intensity. Your Alshon athleticism question mark takes skyrocket because coming back from an Achilles at 30 plus when you're already not quick is a huge deal. And then also critically. If you were going to try to offload that contract, which, again, I don't think the Eagles were going to do, but some people do. If you were going to try, dude's going to be rehabbing until July, until August, until September. You can't trade him. Right? Yeah, you, you can't, can't trade him in the offseason. You can't cut him. You guaranteed to yeah. 2020. So, and, and this is why I was talking about Alshon Jeffrey's restructure with the drafting of J.J. Ortega-Whiteside being one of the worst mistakes of the offseason because the whole reason I love the J.J. pick was because – you could move on from J- or you can move on from Alshon in 2020. You cannot do that now. You cannot trade him. This is a player that has a long injury history. When the Eagles won the Super Bowl, he had a torn rotator cuff. The- and he's been banged up all season. Like we talked about it last week. Alshon Jeffrey is a good receiver. He's a good receiver you want on your team. And I agree with you. Alshon Jeffrey is an injury prone player. They drafted his eventual replacement. They restructured him anyway. Mm-hmm. I have a huge problem with that, but that's a whole different discussion for another show. Ben, anything else that you, that you like before we get out of here? Yeah, explain two of these to me. Yeah. Uh, what is a WR question mark at Philly Fallacy says in parentheses 19-3, then playoffs. And then he enters two lines and he says 17-3, then playoffs. I'm assuming 17-3. Oh, yeah, go for it. Nine, nine, 19 to 3, I believe, was what the Eagles were down last year against the Giants when they made their comeback and started on the roll for the playoffs. 17 to 3 being what the, the Eagles were down game. to the Giants. I was, I was thinking to myself, I was like, yeah. they were not down 19 to 3 to Houston. They were not down 19 to 3 to like the Rams. The they were Giants. not down 19 to 3. It was, it was the other Giants game. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. That you succeeded. I don't think you're going to succeed at this one. Uh, at <laughs> NS Jersey, Steve Chernowski says chicken salad sandwich. No idea what that means. Like right off top, I can't yeah. even. I'm not, I'm not even thinking I'm about guessing, that one. Like they they threw it together and you know like made something palatable. Like chicken salad sandwich is like you're kind of like prototypical. You know, just like whatever you have, you throw together, you make a chicken salad sandwich. You know what I mean? It's like very like like it's you a know, goulash. The, the, the scraps <laughs> in the fridge, or whatever. I guess I don't know, but it's a goulash offense. Is goulash. is a nice episode title, I guess. Yep. Um, but that's not chicken salad sandwich. I don't know what the heck that's about. All right. One last question for you. Let's get out. Mm-hmm. Is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? Oh, man. He's going to end Two- his career 116-117 as a starter, which like QB wins are not a thing, but this is a sub-500 player. <laughs> With two Super Bowls. I think I honestly think two Super Bowls and just the volume stats that he has accumulated over the years, despite him kind of tarnishing his legacy, quote-unquote, for three to four years, like even though the defense won a lot of that, and the and the and the Giants had to be on the road because Eli was bad at home because he didn't have the arm strength arm strength even back then to be successful. With all of that considered, or all of that improbable stuff, the two Super Bowl wins still trump all in the eyes of the voters. In my opinion, I think he gets in. I don't think he should, but I'm nobody, and I think the voters will vote him into the Hall of Fame. Sick. <laughs> Zach Ertz what? is giving quotes to the media that he lined up at every skill position tonight except for running back. And I'm here to tell you, Zach Ertz has already been doing this for a while. And even if they didn't call it X, he's been doing it. This is such gas from Ertz, but it's fine. You scored a game tying and a game winning touchdown. I'll let you talk about what you want. All right, Ben, I've had enough. I'm ready to get out of here. Imagine this having bad enough. Boy. Um, in the immortal words of one Seamus Clancy of BGN and BGN Radio fame. Uh, who Shout deserves out. a mention for his three words, as he said in the response to the tweet, I'm back, baby. Yes, indeed, we are back. The Eagles with a critical win to keep the playoffs hope alive. They sit at a staunch, resolute, unflinching 6-7 and seven on the season. A short week this week as we stare down the 3-10, and 
Washington Redskins, uh, another seller dweller for the Eagles, but a game they must win to make the week, week 16 game against the Dallas Cowboys count. That game, of course, uh, in Washington, if memory serves. Quick turnaround uh, for the Eagles, quick turnaround for us as well. This All-22 film will drop on Tuesday as it typically does, so hopefully we will have an All-22 review pod out for you on Wednesday, then our typical preview shows at the end of the week, Eagles offense, Redskins defense, Redskins offense, Eagles defense. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to the podcast to continue following the feed. Never forget that once the Eagles fall out of playoff contention and you stop listening, Mike and I are unable to feed our families for the winter. Uh, and so if you do love us and you do want us to survive, go ahead, rate, review, subscribe, and listen to all the shows now so that we can store up enough food like the little squirrels that we are and survive these cold, long, and dreary white months. He's been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak, that's S-O-L-A-K. I've been Michael Guest on Twitter, at Michael Guest NFL, that's K-I-S-T. Wednesday, look for it in your feeds. All 22 review pod. Love you so much. 1,200 five-star reviews. 3 million downloads this year in 2019 we all we got we all we need fly eagles fly you said 12,000 five-star reviews or 1200 12, right or 1200 1200 did i say 1200 no no, no 12, I, it, I think no it is 1200 i think i said it wrong 1200 oh, okay. five-star reviews means we're gonna end with more five-star reviews and the eagles wide receiver core will end with total yardage this year <laughs> i want to see if that's actually true yeah, we're gonna find out. A little post game script. Game. This is this is what me and Ben do after the show. By the way, we Google useless stats <laughs> as they are related to the podcast because okay. we are narcissists and and we like uh. Let's see what we like we've these got. things. Okay, what do you see? Uh, receiving yards. Oh uh-huh. no, no chance. Oh wait, maybe. I know, okay, I know. At one point in this game, the Eagles wide receivers, because Booger Booger said it on the broadcast, the Eagles wide receivers in the second half at one point had one catch for one yard. Nine fifty three, nine seventy eight, one seventy eight. Been doing math live. One one three seven. Carry the one. Oh dang it! One two three seven. One two three eight. Oh. One, two, seven, one, two, eight, three. Right now, Eagles wide receivers have a total of 1,306 receiving yards. So with we so are, many wide receivers... about 100 reviews to receiving yards. So, so here's the thing. With so many receivers down, because Jeffrey's down, J-Jaw looked like he pulled a hammy, Greg Ward was, Greg Ward was limping during the game, there's probably not going to be a whole lot of wide receiver production for the rest of the season. Here's what I need. Within the next, let's call it a month, the rest of the season, I need the gentle listeners, you specifically, gentle listener, to get us to more five-star reviews than the <laughs> Eagles wide receivers have I don't know if I'll yards. be happy or sad if this happens, but I will, I will for <laughs> sure laugh my head off. Because that is a golden tweet about what's going on with the receiver course. So do that for us. So that's our little post-game script. We are going to catch you probably in a more gloomy mood later on in the week because of things related to this talking point. Thank you, gentle listeners. Good night. P-G-N. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.